This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Special early edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us. Oh, we got a lot to talk about. Baseball, football, basketball. Here we go. At 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We're here until 8.30. Yeah, we, like Will the Thrill and Brian the Brain, here till 8.30. Then it's Game 5, Miami-Boston, here on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you for joining us. My partner, Gordon Damon, has the night off. So it's me flying solo, and I got to tell you, we'll start off right now. Last night, or should I say early this morning, was the ultimate roller coaster for me as a Met fan. The ultimate roller coaster. Emotions, frustrations, glee, agony, everything, everything, every, all the emotions you could possibly imagine. I felt until about 1.45 this morning. And listen, Gordon said it. I was like, ah, it's 8-2, it's, it's over, oh, it's a tough night. Chris Bassett, what, what is, what's going on with him? Why is it that? You know, Boston, uh, why is it that uh, San Francisco knows what to do with him? What's going on? What's happening? What? What? And Gordon says, "Uh, I have a feeling they're coming back. And they did. Not only did they come back, they scored seven runs and took the lead. And then it got tied up by Frisco, and the Mets took the lead again, only to lose it again. Please don't mention that guy whose initials are JP and I don't mean Jacob Perry. He's JPZ. Don't mention that guy, JP who plays for the Giants for me because I, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to, I don't even want to mention his name. Oh, that was a frustrating, frustrating loss for the Mets. And you couldn't even take Salas in the fact that you came back because you ended up losing. It took away from it. Just me, in my weird thought as a Met fan. And then today, it's no contest. They lose 9-3, wiped out. Wiped out. Caden is second appearance as a Met because they needed another starter. Nine runs on seven hits. Didn't have a chance. Now, the positives were that the bullpen started by Trevor Williams, who went two, three and two-thirds, did a nice job, didn't give up any more runs. So you were able to kind of put your bull, keep your bullpen from being overwhelmed for the next series, and you have a travel day tomorrow before you come back home, and you've got winnable games, winnable games this coming weekend. So that should make you feel a little bit better. And it's only the second time this season that the Mets have not come back after a loss to win a game. They have really played well. I mean, let's face it. They really had, and we know it's early. We understand that. We get it. We know how early it is. But to you, you really want to see where your team is right now with a little adversity. And we'll hear from Buck Showalter before we leave the airwaves tonight. He'll give us an update on what's going on with Jeff McNeil, who had to leave the game after crashing into a wall 
taking a hit away in the game. So we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get squared away with the Mets. The Yankees are about to get underway. They have injury issues of their own. It's been well chronicled. As you know, Giancarlo Stanton placed on the 10-day IL with a right calf strain. Jonathan Lewisica placed on the 15-day IL with right shoulder inflammation, which might explain why he has not been Jonathan Lewisica all season. And Joey Gallo reinstated from COVID-19 IL. So Joey Gallo is available, which is good because you have Giancarlo Stanton not available. So here, here's your situation that hopefully – if you're the Yankees, you're facing a Baltimore Orioles team that you had a big win from last night. Listen, it, it, it was a big win. It was a big win for you to get that game last night in extra innings. And you got it from two guys who have really done a, a decent job defensively but have struggled offensively in IKF and Trevino. And Trevino last night, three hits, including... The game winner, that's nice. So we'll see if the Yankees can build on that tonight. And uh, listen, they've done a nice job. Five walk-off wins tied for most in Major League Baseball with the team that they're facing, the Baltimore Orioles. How about that? How interesting is that? So we'll keep you updated on the Yankee score before we leave you tonight at 8.30. We'll get your thoughts. Lots of other things to talk about. Rangers prepare now for game five tomorrow night. You'll hear it right here on 98.7 ESPN. Don LaGreca will anchor our coverage beginning at 6.30 following the Michael K. Show. And I feel good about the Rangers. I do. I, I think they can win tomorrow night. You have to win one on the road. If it were me, win five. Why pressure yourself to win seven? <laughs> win five come back here at the Garden in Game 6 and end it, don't have to play Game 7. But I like how they're playing. I like the aggressive tone that they have. I like how Igor Shesterkin has played much better than he played in the previous series. I think the Rangers learned from the Penguins. They made some adjustments. There was more activity to keep the, the view clear around the net. And they're scoring more. I mean, one goal in two games. And we understand, listen, when you follow hockey, and I'm listening to all the people because I haven't been really invested in the Rangers all season, I peeked in from time to time because I wanted to see what kind of a job uh, Coach Gallant was going to do. Right? I wanted to see. I mean, this guy had won a uh, – this guy had, you know, had won uh, a championship previously, Stanley Cup championship. So I wanted to see how what he was bringing to the Rangers because – Everybody was done with Quinn. <laughs> done. Done. So I like what he's been able to do. And slowly but surely, you're watching this team grow in the best way possible, learning how to win. And not just learning how to win during the regular season, but learning how to win in the postseason and learning how to make adjustments and following those adjustments. That's huge. And that's what you're seeing from this Rangers team. So I like where they're going. A couple of other things we'll be chatting about. Finally, Colin Kaepernick working out today with the Vegas Raiders. Now, will he get a job? Will he have a chance to, will he, will he earn a spot? Don't know. 
That's not guaranteed. The opportunity for him to show what he can do, that's all you can ask. That's all you can ask. He says he's ready. He says he's been working out. He says he's been preparing. So it'll be interesting to see. And, of course, Adam Schefter's all over it for us at ESPN. So he'll let us know how things are going. And Christian Winfield, who is a friend of the show, we're trying to get in contact with him, to get his thoughts on an article that he's gotten about Kyrie Irving and his future with the Nets, which might not be what you think. Now, he has a player's opt-out, a player's opt-in. He can, you know, as a player, he can opt in and say, all right, I want my contract renewed. Let's go. Let's do it. And get the big money. But it looks like, according to the article of Christian Winfield of the Daily News, that his sources tell him that after this past season and his lack of availability, it is possible that the Nets may not look long-term for Kyrie Irving. And to be honest, could you blame him? With his lack of availability, and I'm not just talking the, the, the COVID controversy here, okay? I'm not talking just about this year. But you look overall at his career. He's a guy that's had issues being available for a whole season. And for me, the interesting thing about this says, for the Nets to make that public, could it be that Kevin Durant has questioned, understands, is willing to, because it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to move on. It means that they'll sign him, but maybe they'll sign him for a year. Maybe they'll sign him for two years, but not long term. It's ESPN New York tonight, early edition on 98.7 ESPN, leading you into game five of the Eastern Conference Finals between Boston and the Miami. Series tied at two apiece. This is, a inter- this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, this could decide which way this series tends to turn. I expect, A, that Miami will show a much better performance than they did in game four, which is not hard. And... Uh, I'm very curious to see uh, how this goes. This series could go seven because what what it's dependent on, I'll get to the cause in a second, what it's dependent on is who's available. That, that, that's that been the question. No Tyler Hero tonight for Miami. Yes, you have Robert Williams. Yes, you have Marcus Smart for Boston. So that's how it is. We'll see. 1-800-919-3776. Hi, Bruce and Flushing. You're up first on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry. Um, want to talk about the Yankees and make you aware, if you're not aware, that there may be a big story happening as we speak in Yankee mm-hmm. land. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of the story? Uh, Will the Thrill was telling me about it, but you go ahead and inform the audience. Jason Dominguez, one of the top prospects in the entire system, was taken out of the lineup and then wiped out all Yankee connections on um, his social media. Now, that tells me one of two things. Either he's been traded or he's about to be traded. Now, if the, the Yankees paid $5 million to sign him out of the Dominican, mm-hmm. so you take a team like Kansas City, who doesn't like to spend money, but the Yankees already spent the money, so... Dominguez 
and maybe some other stuff, possibly to Kansas City for um, Andrew Andrew Benintendi and maybe a a bullpen arm, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. It tells me that this guy's about to be traded. Yeah, that I, I could see how you would come to that conclusion. Is uh, Benedetti, you think, going to be your center fielder? Are they ready to sit Aaron Hicks? Who's been brutal? I, I don't know how well he plays center. He's playing left at the moment. I know he's mm-hmm. played right before. So um, you can put put him in left and and and, and get rid of uh, um, your left fielder now. Gallo. Are you trying to get rid of Joey Gallo? You don't like Joey Gallo? No, I like left field to hit and not strike out. <laughs> I hear you. But, I hear you. But that, uh, that now, I don't think there's some speculating that this may be a trade for Soto. I can't see the Yankees going after Soto if they want to re-sign Judge. Hmm. Maybe that's and Judge Insurance. It, I think I'm going to take, have to get a lot more to trade for Soto. I, I think agree. both of Peraza would have to be involved in that trade, too. I agree. I agree. But that now, would be, quick comment. That, that would, yeah, go ahead. Quick comment on the Rangers. Yes. You know, this team, you didn't know what to expect from the coach. You didn't know what to expect the general manager. Um, but this general manager made several key additions at the trade deadline, didn't really pay a lot, and, you know, a good general manager is able to plug up holes either before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline. I mean, Emil Francis always had that knock. Brian Cashman has it with the Yankees. So, Drury, and we didn't know what to expect from Drury because he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. But you have to um, give him a lot of credit that this guy plugged up his holes. And I think if you get a guy like Hop. There's no reason why you can't re-sign him and in the offseason make him your second-line center. I agree with you. I think, and thanks for the phone call, Bruce, I think that Drury's done a tremendous job. And he, he is did some things on the fly. And I got to tell you, I was a little surprised when the Rangers made their move in the front office and brought in Drury. I was a little surprised. Uh, because I thought the previous administration, uh, I thought, did a decent job. And for me, the thing that that I just applauded their honesty. Several years ago when they said, listen, (laughs) who are we fooling? We're nowhere near where we need to be. And they told the fans, listen, we're going to do best to retool and try to get better to where we are. And I thought that was as honest as any front office that I've heard since I've been covering sports. I thought that was, I applauded their honesty and saw what they tried to do. Now, they didn't get the results that they wanted, so obviously sports is a results business, and Drury, who had been, I covered him when he was playing for the Rangers, and since he'd been, you know, with with the minor league club and learning on the ropes and, and learning the ropes and doing things and getting better and trying to learn how to handle things, when he got the job with the big club, listen, he he's done a nice job, and Bruce, you're right. He's been able to stick with the kids and sprinkle in some veteran leadership and his goalkeeper is unbelievable. <laughs> so he has done a nice job. He deserves the credit. Richardson, Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Hey, 
Larry, there was a record broken last week in Major League Baseball. I find it fascinating. And, you know, baseball is all about records and numbers. Yeah. And oh, I, I, Well, I read it in the New York Times. Uh, well, the, the, it was by uh, a big article by Benjamin Hoffman, his name is. And what he was writing about, first of all, was Pujols pitching mm-hmm. in that game, the Cardinal game, where mm-hmm. he was 40, he's 42 and a half years old, the second oldest baseball player ever to make his – entrance into a baseball game first time pitcher as a first time pitcher and mm-hmm. satchel page was third there was one guy a couple of months older who did it in 1929 he was a player manager but that wasn't the story of that game the mm-hmm. story of that game was overshadowed by Pujols what he did but the story was uh adam wainwright and yadier molina broke mm-hmm. the major league baseball record for most games one as a, a battery mates uh, okay. together. In other words, they won 203 games together. Wow. That's unbelievable, Larry. It is. And it is. Do you know the record they broke? Now, I would have guessed Whitey Ford and Yogi Berra, but Ford didn't have that many wins. I think maybe 220, 230, so that's why he didn't have it. It was set by uh, Del Crandall, the catcher, and Warren Spahn on the Braves from 49 to 63. Now, if you wow. think of this record, Larry, the record was set in 63. That was the last year that Spahn, I think, pitched with the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he went to the Mets, uh, ironically. But, uh, but, so he was with Crandall all those years, and he won, I think, 202 games. That was it. So 59 mm-hmm. years later. Now, just think, Larry, all these years you didn't have the analytics and pitchers going right. six innings and all. And it still was not broken. So it was mm-hmm. broken during this time with Wainwright and Yadier Molina. 202, 203, and it's still counting. It would take, I mean, it would be impossible. This is this record, I think, would be harder to break than the DiMaggio record. Because to have two players play 50, think of it, a pitcher had to have to pitch 15 years and get 14 wins a year and stay on the same team and have the same catcher with them for 15 years. That's mm-hmm. impossible impossible to ever happen again. I think it's one of the greatest records I've ever seen, and it's just so fun to think about because of the numbers and the probability and the fact that it hasn't happened in 59 years with all these great catches and pitchers. And, I mean, it's just a testament that St. Louis keeps their players together and the players just didn't want to leave. And a great record. I think it's a great thing, Larry. Anyway, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. And I yeah, thought it thanks, was Richard. Great. Thanks always for bringing a... attention. Same here. Um, it also shows their longevity and their production. Because let's face it, if they weren't still producing, they wouldn't still be playing with the Cardinals or anybody else. <laughs> okay? So I know this is uh, Yadier Molina's last year. Uh, he's already made that announcement that he's hanging them up after this year. Wainwright, listen, he's been really good for a long time. So when you uh, just, just understand what they've been able to do, for their careers, that's great. It's fabulous. And so they deserve that record. It's what it's funny. I was having this conversation. Who was I talking to? I was having this conversation a couple of days ago about records in baseball that, that will never be broken. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, obviously, the thought process of DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. That was one they came up with. Uh, 300 wins for starting pitcher. I, I don't see that. Anymore. Cal Ripken, uh, and Cal Ripken, Brian is locked yeah. because with the way you have sabermetrics now, nobody is going to play consecutive games to that 
extent. So that's that's a lock. <laughs> it's a lock. I just that's not, that's not changing. That is not changing ever, ever again because of, you know, the way baseball is. Unless baseball changes again. But but I, I don't see it. I think with contracts and the way this, the sport is going, uh, that sabermetrics and those type of, 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 of records like that, I, I don't see them going anywhere. I really don't. Those three are going to stay around. They're going to stay around. ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN and the all-new ESPN New York app. Chatting with you at 1-800-919-3776. Let's head back to the phones. Melissa is in Long Island. Melissa, you are next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How's it going? Loving the it's show. great. Melissa, what's up? So I was just calling to uh, talk back a little bit to that earlier caller talking about how much he hates baseball and saying that nobody watches it anymore who's not over 60 years old. Uh, I'm a 47-year-old woman. Baseball is my favorite sport out of the big four. Um, I think he's just not hanging out with the right people. <laughs> Me and my friends are all into baseball. We go to games. I have family friends who are introducing their young kids to the games. They go to games. I think it's just that he's not happy with the way baseball's going, so he thinks everybody else hates it too. Melissa, who's, your favorite, who's your favorite team? Oh, I'm a big Mets fan. All right. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I'm pretty happy this year. That's- How could you not be? <laughs> so I mean, I just think of it, Melissa. Like, yeah, just think. Love, All right, thanks for the call. I mean, just think of it. This team is above water. DeGrom has not pitched in over 300 days. And Max Scherzer is out. Can you give me a team where your number one, your ace and your number two starter, you've had no ace for over a year. And your number two starter is out and out until June. And you've been able to stay afloat. It's they've, they've done a great job. And it's credit to the McGills and the Petersons and the Williams and those guys who have stepped in. It's a You know what? Here's the one thing I'll say about baseball, and, and, it, and it transcends all sports. It's really, you know, God, listen, my, my ex-father-in-law, God rest his soul, used to always tell me, you're only as strong as your weakest man in any team sport. You're only as strong as your weakest man. Translation, depth is so important. The depth and the talent of your depth is what wins. And I think that's what really stuck out in my mind about what the Mets were able to do this year. And even what the Yankees did. The Yankees upgraded their bench as well. The Mets upgraded their bench as well. And so the depth on these two teams, you're seeing it. And even though the Yankees have had injuries and they've got injuries now, they're going through a rough stretch injury-wise, they're still hanging in. Right? They're still finding a way to win games. So that's the key thing for me. Alex is in Jersey. What's up, Al? Hey, what's going on, Larry? I have to agree. I think I'm 28 years old. I watch pretty much every single sport from European soccer through F1 all the way through the big four. Mm -hmm. The fact that someone calls baseball boring means that they're watching sports lazy. It's baseball's a thinking man's game. It's been a thinking man's game. 
watching sports and just sitting on your couch drinking beer isn't what you're going to do if you're going to watch baseball. You're going to sit there, you're going to watch it, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to think about what's going on in the game, and that's what makes watching it fun. If you're, if you're sitting there saying that the game's boring, you're not thinking about what's going on in the game well enough, and you don't know well, the game well enough to even be to truly enjoy it. I think that's a, it's a big problem with sports fans right now is they don't know enough about the games to be talking about what they're talking about. Well, you know, that's an interesting point, Alex, and I do think uh, maybe, maybe it's just – look, but to be fair, it can be a little slow sometimes, and, I, and, and even baseball realizes that. To, to say that, okay, we got to do some things, just, you know, putting a, a pitch clock and you know, all the things they're experimenting with, which uh, for me and my good friend Bill Lederman, former owner of Mickey Mantles, just texted me while I was on the air and said, you know what, <laughs> if, if guys stayed in the batting, if the batter's box, that would help them out too. How do you feel about that, Alex? Oh, 100% agree. There's so many different things you can do. And even 162 games, do they need to play all 162 games? No. I don't think so. No. Um, I think you get just as much of a marathon out of maybe 88, 90 games. I think you still get that marathon. It's exactly what you were saying about depth. You test mm -hmm. the depth of the baseball team with, with 80, 90 games. I don't think you need to go all the way 162. I think mm -hmm. I think even playing double headers sometimes gets a little ridiculous in the league with right. the amount of double headers that get played. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you're looking at other sports like you were saying, basketball. You have six guys. You get a six man of the year, and you're 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 a playoff team. You have six good guys on a baseball team. You, you're not competing even for second place in the division. So it, it really is one of those games where you, you, have to, you have to look at the depth and the marathon that the sport is. And to be honest, even play the game. Like, it is, it is a thinking man's game. you you, you yeah. got to know what's going on every single – even if there's not enough action. As a, as a shortstop, you know damn well what pitch is coming and where that pitch is going to go and what side of the ball you need to be on. If it's an inside, you know it's a pull for a righty. Like, right. that it, there's things you don't think about that you don't have to think about in basketball or hockey. And I played hockey in college. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things. I love baseball just as much as I love hockey. And you even have to talk about people who follow, follow the major sports and say baseball is boring. A lot of yeah. them only watch playoff basketball and playoff hockey because that's where it gets yeah. most exciting too. So, I mean, it's the same argument both ways. Like, playoff baseball gets exciting, but if you can't, if you can't really appreciate the sport for what it is, it's not a dying sport if you don't appreciate it. You're right, Alex. You made some great points. Thanks for the phone call. And, you know, um, for me, if you played 100 games, baseball season, that would be good. Why use 100 games? 100 games. Start, start the season June 1. Fastest team, best record in 100 games. I'm good. That's just me. But... That would never happen because it's about money. It's about the networks. It's about everybody, you know, stretching the, stretching the game out and making sure that there's money and making sure that people have a, have a, a sport to watch. Okay? And so that's what it's about. But, yeah, I, I could see them, you know, that would be something that would do, do some things. And like Lederman said, uh, you know, keep the batter in the batter's box. I mean, stepping out, adjusting the glove. Why are you adjusting? You didn't swing. <laughs> Why are you just in the glove? You didn't swing at all. Stop. Nas is in Queens. What's up, Nas? I just want to respond to the last caller. I, I, I agree with the first guy who said that baseball is very boring at this point. I'm, the, the last caller was 28, so he was born in 94. I started watching baseball in 92. From the 90s to the 2000s, it was interesting because it was a thinking man's game. At this point, it isn't anymore. It's either you 
hit a home run, you strike out, or you sit in the dugout. Everything is run by a computer based on analytics, so you don't even need a manager in the game anymore, in this game anymore, because you don't need to think. You can have an algorithm in a computer, and it will spit out the decisions in baseball, which is why at this point I don't like the sport. I don't think it's going to change. It's not going to change. It is what it is, but that's why they lost me. So to somebody who's a little bit younger who never saw the generation of baseball that during the 90s and 2000s where there was a lot more strategy going on, it's, 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 uh, I just don't understand how, how, how you can say it's a strategic game now. Well, I think, Nas, and thanks for the phone call and thanks for your comments, I think now you do see it, but you see it, A, with certain teams, and you see it in the postseason. That's when you see it. That's when you see teams understanding that, okay, we can play station-to-station games. We can play. We have to make the adjustment. And that's really one of the reasons why the Yankees have struggled in the postseason because they have not been able to make that adjustment. Okay, they have been a home-run-hitting franchise. And let's face it, they've always been a home-run-hitting franchise, but I think that 98 team and those World Series teams of the late 90s and early 2000s, they were the teams that had the versatility that you see with Tampa, okay, the versatility that you've seen with uh, Boston when they won, when they weren't banging drums and using Apple phones. The, the, the uh, same versatility that you've seen with the Houston Astros when they weren't covering their, their uniforms with microphones or headsets or whatever was going on, allegedly. Uh, when, when you Those teams were able to do those things because they had – more than one way to win games, okay? If they could go to the postseason and perform with, okay, we're going to do hit and run, we'll do hit and run. I'm not reliant on the home run. I can get a guy in from third with less than with less than two out. Okay, I can do that. I can get a guy in from third. I can, I can move the runner over. I can play that type of baseball. And you see that, Nas, more in the postseason than you do in the regular season, like I said, with a handful of teams. And it used to be that the National League played that way, but now with the Universal DH, even the National League, in a lot of cases, are playing long ball baseball. And when we talk about numbers, baseball's always had numbers. I mean, remember, managers have always had a little black book where they kept numbers about percentages and, and guys – who faced them and what they did the last time and why they moved runners over, why they defended people the way they did. It's always been a part of baseball. It's always been there. It's just now it's more publicized because of the fact that you're looking at days off and you're looking at guys saving guys and making sure guys are ready for the postseason and resting guys and doing things like that. That part of baseball has changed, absolutely. And yet our managers more reliant on the numbers than they've been before? Yeah, you could say that. Absolutely, I will agree with that. But in the postseason, even the sabermetricians will say, okay, it's what you do in the postseason, you're rolling the dice. Because you're facing the best pitchers on a roster, the top two or three pitchers on every roster, every game. It's different. It's a huge difference. But it's an interesting discussion. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? You're next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Larry. What's happening? In case I don't talk to you, have a good weekend this weekend. You too, Ira. What's and, up? And uh, 
Well, you know, you know, a little downtime with football, but, you know, it's good to read uh, come Zach Wilson, some of the stuff they're saying about him, put on some weight. You know, he, he, you know what? He seems to be doing all the right things in the offseason to set himself up to have a successful year. Now, you know, now he has to make it happen. You know, all the pieces are around him except for Beckton, who's still not in town. But, you know, once everything gets started, uh, you know, I'm very optimistic. You know, the first time in a really long time, listen, I don't expect playoffs, but I, I think it'll be, it could be a fun football season. And, I, it, you know what, it's all going to come down to Wilson. If Wilson yeah. plays the potential that why we drafted him with the second pick, then I think this team's going to win uh, their chef of uh, football games. Ira, I agree with you, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. It's always good hearing from you. I'm up against the clock, but uh, I agree with you if he does that. And I think it can't be just him that the offensive line's got to play well. You've got to be able to run the football to keep him out of obvious pass situations. All right, that's what you have to do. And so if they can find a way to do that and then just allow him to make the proper throws to the tight ends that they've got, to – the running backs out of the backfield to, you know, get Elijah Moore rolling, get Michael Carter going. If they can do those things and make it easier on him so he's not so reliant that he feels that he has got to run and he can't stay behind the line, uh, they'll, they'll do well. At 1-800-919-3776, here with you until the bottom of the hour, then we will begin our coverage. Game five, Eastern Conference Finals, Miami and Boston tied at two, heading into South Beach. No Tyler Hero for the Heat. And, of course, uh, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart are available for the Celtics. It's an interesting game five, and we'll have it for, here, for you right here at the bottom of the hour. Before we get to the calls, for you hold on. We've been talking a little baseball. Let's hear about the Mets. They lost 9-3 today uh, to the San Francisco Giants. This on the heels of that uh, – the extra inning loss last night, which just was like, oh gosh, it's just it's unbelievable. It just, it was just unbelievable. Um, and in that game, Jeff McNeil suffered a knee injury as he was sliding to make a great catch, taking a hit away, but hurt his knee into the fence. So he was pulled from the game. Afterwards, McNeil, how's your knee injury? I mean, I think everything hit it. Um, you know, watching the replay. I think my glasses are scraped up a little bit, so I think everything um, got it pretty good. But, yeah, it was mostly mostly the knee. Um, but, you know, when I was out there, you know, uh, pain started, you know, kind of go away. So, you know, it felt good running in from the outfield. So, um, you know, it's just, just precautionary for right now. Yeah, of course it was. So, you know, players, they want to play. You have to protect yourself from them and protect them from themselves. So Buck Showalter was asked, about McNeil McNeil's knee injury, I think he's going to be all right. Uh, knee contusion, kind of uh, banged in that wall, pretty good there. Just probably could have played. Still want to take the chance. Let everybody take a look at him. It's always kind of worried when it was a great catch, jeez. And uh, so day to day, day to day. So that's good news. Hopefully, you can't really, uh, you know, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to lose him. He's really hitting pretty well right now. It was a tough day. The Mets needed a starter. So Pucky was uh, called up to perform. One in the third inning, seven hits, nine runs, all earned three walks, two strikeouts, four home runs, 49 pitches, 23 for strikes. His ERA, a robust 60.75. Buck, what did you see from the rookie today? 
Uh, never could get into a rhythm. Command was an issue. He, uh, you know, you know, he wanted to do well with the opportunity he had, and uh, you know, they were, you know, on about everything he threw. So when he did throw strike, he never really got into the rhythm in the game. Another great job by uh, Trev. I mean, that, that's big for us to be able to get through those innings. I mean, that's when we talked before the game. That was exactly how we would have to do it if we had a short start and. But if Trevor doesn't do that job, we've got, you know, we're using some guys that don't need to be pitching. Trevor Williams, three and two-thirds innings of one-hit baseball, two walks, five strikeouts. Holderman, Shreve, and Lugo each pitched an inning apiece. No more runs, but the damage was done in that first inning. One of the positives was the fact that Francisco Lindor seems to be hitting again. That's a good thing. He had at one point he was nine for forty, but he woke up in this series. As a matter of fact, in the game today, he was two for four with a run scored and an RBI. Here's Buck Showalter on Lindor's hot hitting of late. Doing it for a while, you know, it's kind of you know, I don't know. I understand the scrutiny on a guy that uh, you know with uh, you know the commitment to him, but it's. He welcomes it. He's been he's been playing a really good shortstop too, and his efforts always good. That's what I'm so proud of. Him. He always gives you 90 feet and, and engaged in the competition. Wants to play every day, and uh, it's good to see him getting returned for that. Uh, some statistically, but if you look at our categories across the board, he's right there, either leading or close to it, and just about everything. Yeah, he's the listen. Off, defensively, he's been fabulous. Okay, there's no question about it. Offensively, he's had some issues, but uh, nevertheless, he looks like he's hot again. So this is a this is a good thing. It's a good thing. So we'll see what happens. The Mets come back to City Field. They got a weekend series with the Philadelphia Phillies, and hopefully they can get back on the right track. Phillies and Nationals, and then they go on the road. Tough. Dodgers. Uh, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Dodgers, Padres. Angels and Brewers, I believe. I'm not sure of the order, but that's what they are facing when they go. So that will be a big-time test. Yankees are playing right now as we speak. Uh, there is no score as the Orioles bat in the top of the third. But Aaron Boone before the game said that Jonathan Loisega will be headed to the IL for what he hopes is a brief stint with shoulder discomfort. Hmm. Here's what Michael Kay says about that Yankee bullpen that's now short with without Loisega and without Chad Green, who's gone for the year with Tommy John, and without Araldis Chapman, who's on the IL. I don't know how they're going to navigate this bullpen. I mean, right now, they have Holmes. King had another bad outing, so his last six outings have been very bad after eight phenomenal outings. Loisig is out. Green's gone for the year. Chapman's on the IL. I mean, you've lost your bullpen, except for Holmes. I was surprised the way Boone used Holmes yesterday. He brought him in in the eighth inning of a game tied. He only threw ten pitches and then brought in Wandy Peralta to pitch the ninth. So he's going to have to get very creative in the arm. I mean, Clark Schmidt's going to take on a bigger role. They've got to straighten out Michael King. We've seen it before with this Yankee team, guys. They do rebound from injuries, but boy, this is like, wow. All at once, boom, 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 boom. They've all gotten hurt. Yeah, the bullpen's been an issue, you know, now with the injuries. I mean, they've been great. Hey, look at this. They've got a reunion of the 2010 Jets with Mark Sanchez and Nick uh, Nick Mangold up at uh, Yankee Stadium. Boy. Hmm. 
Those were the good days, right, Jeff Vance? <laughs> Other injuries, though, for the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton uh, is on the IL. DJ LeMahieu, we didn't mention him, missed his second straight game, sore left wrist. Uh, so, you know, the Yankees are trying to find a way to get some hits and score some runs. And, you know, listen, you, it always gonna, it's always going to happen, right? It's always going to happen. You're, that's why we talk about, when we talk about the game of baseball, we talk about that, that long marathon. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. NFL is a sprint. <laughs> NFL is a sprint. 16 games, boom. Well, I'm sorry, 18 games. That's the way it is. Got to get it done. Right? Got to get it done. So, um, man, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It really is crazy. So that's a quick look at what's going on with local baseball. 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones we go with Jose in the Bronx. Jose, you are next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How you doing, man? Thanks for taking the call. You got it, Jose. What's up, Uh-oh. my friend? Man, just wanted to see if you wanted to um, put on your Nick GM hat for me for a minute and um, see what you think of this scenario. If okay. uh, Donovan Mitchell, if Donovan Mitchell proves to be too expensive, if Utah just decides, you know, why trade our franchise? What do you think about Rudy Gobert coming over with uh, or with 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 Conley? Um, Mitchell Robinson, I believe he's a free agent and he's he definitely is. a an upgrade there, and you know. You know, Tom Thibodeau is a defensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going hard after um, a Brunson, and, and that might be a more feasible thing to do. What do you think? I think for me, Jose, and thanks for the phone call, uh, I think Brunson is is the more realistic of the scenarios uh, because, because he's a free agent. Now the question is going to be, is – will Mark Cuban let him go? It's clear that he has become a major part of that offense. And I'm curious to see how good he would be with when he has when he would have the ball even more than where he's got the ball now. Because let's face it, Luka Doncic runs that offense. And there was a lot of discussion and it was during the broadcast that even, you know, uh Barkley and Kenny Smith and Shaq and EJ have been talking about it. And even on the broadcast with, you know, a Reggie Miller and Stan Van Gundy about pushing the pace. And he doesn't do that. Luca's just, you know, he doesn't push the basketball. And just to have that type of tempo pushing the basketball, I think would, would be interesting to see how uh, Brunson would do that with the Knicks, with RJ Barrett, with a little younger team. Right. So right now, uh, I think that that would be the more realistic of the two. I have no, I, I would, Rudy Gobert would be good. Mike Connolly, though, he just he just got, if I remember correctly, just got extended. So he's gonna make even more money. And he's at the end. And and they're not, the Knicks are not in a scenario where they are, they've got a, a great team in their point guard away. They're not in that scenario. They kind of need a younger guy. Now I know what you're thinking, Jose. Listen, I've got McBride, I've got Grimes, I've got, uh, you know, IQ. Who better to learn how to play point than from a guy like Mike Conley, who's seen everything, who's been available, who knows how to pass the ball. So I understand that. It's a lot of money to be paying for a teacher. It is. So for me, I would probably want to go a little more with Brunson 
than I would the idea of going with uh, Rudy Gobert. Although, listen, uh, he would he would definitely change things. And you're right about Thibodeau wanting a, a defensive center. He would do that. There's no question. And it just and it makes you wonder who is more valuable in Utah in their mindset. Is it Gobert or is it Donovan Mitchell? If we are to believe the inferences, the inferences that they don't get along and haven't gotten along for a couple of years. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.